Reddick. He couldn't even, he was so excited to talk about RJ Barrett. Harry Leo, welcome back. Go ahead. This is your RJ Barrett moment. Well, I was also just so excited to hear from my good friend, Armand. Everybody, happy um, uh, New Year out there. If you know, you know. Um, okay, listen, I got the popcorn out because I'm eating popcorn right now on the podcast. This is a cardinal sin for audio recording. But I just, I needed to fuel my entertainment level for Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr., who is officially, congrats, he is a superstar, guys. Everybody said he'd be a bust. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was a bust too. He is now averaging he's now averaging 17 points a game, six boards a game, three dimes. Shout out Filet on, um, you know, don't look at the shooting splits, but it's okay. He got off to a bad start. Anyways, guys, listen. He's really good. He's officially untouchable. I have like three untouchables on – I have two untouchables on this team, which I never thought would happen with the New York <laughs> So it's a good day. It's a good day. With that being said, how much of this – would this have happened if it wasn't for Tibbs? Do you think another coach could have gotten this out of him? How much do you credit Tibbs for this? Look, man, <clears throat> Red Auerbach, <laughs> Bill Jackson. I mean, these are the only names I can think of that might be better coaches than Tom Thibodeau. I mean, shit, like, you know, the track record, it speaks for himself. He really is an asterisk NBA champion. If Derrick Rose, yeah. who is on the New York Knicks, didn't get hurt that one year, they would have blown out the Miami Heat and easily walked to the finals. Come on. I mean, this is ridiculous. What are we talking about here? So um, the next time you bring up the D. Rose injury will be the last time you're allowed back on the brainstorming basketball I podcast. I love, dude. I mean, look, this is a catastrophic incident. I was the biggest and still am biggest Derrick Rose fan. He just got back from COVID, by the way. He said it was awful. So all of you unmaskers out there, listen, I know oh. you're in California. <laughs> I don't want to get political, but I know, I know a lot of your fan base, okay? You guys fucking, okay, I'm sorry. I, can I curse this? Yes, you can curse. Get a vaccine, you fucking hobos. Like, it's a <laughs> God. Wow. Harry brought the energy today. I love it. So the, the thing I've noticed about RJ's game, and you watch a lot more, obviously, being a Knicks fan, you watch a lot more Knicks basketball than I do, but it seems like he's really developed that mid-range pull-up. Yeah. Is, is that something that you've noticed as well in his game? I think le- legitimately, I think he, he went into the summer. And I think him and his trainer had this conversation somewhere. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but sources tell me that this is the conversation. They had, right? They said, look, you guys flamed out of the fucking tournament at Duke. Okay. You spent the whole year listening to all this, like, oh my God, RJ is not who we thought he was. He's not Zion, blah, 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 blah. And then I think his trainer just was like, run the tape. And they brought up that, that, that those games that we all saw when he was in the U19 team in Canada and he was just pro move, pro move, pro move, just lighting people up. And we're all like, oh, my God, this guy's a star. And then RJ, I think he was like, oh, yeah, shit, like, I can do that. And I can do that at the NBA level. Like, there's no reason I can't. I mean, like, I'm fucking humongous. And I think he just came into this year, all, part, all parts of his game, all facets are more confident. He's actually starting to pass the ball well. You know, the mid-range, like you said, he looks super confident. Even when, he, even when he'll miss two in a row, he doesn't lose that confidence. That's the biggest change I've seen in this year. His last, like, 30 games, after, like, he, he went, like, 0 for 20 to start the year from three. His last, like, 30 games, which is a legit sample size, he's been money from three. Um, he's just developing into a really, really nice all-around player, kind of that Jimmy Butler comparison that, you know, people were 
I don't know if everybody's joking, but I was not. People were, were jokingly throwing out. He is, he's looking very Jimmy Butler-ish. Speaking of joking, yesterday, Scout with Brian, my favorite uh, Twitter account, your favorite Twitter account, one of the greatest people on the planet, um, he tweeted out half-jokingly that he, he admitted it was half-joking that Julius Randle deserves to be in the MVP discussion. 23 mm-hmm. points a game, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. The Knicks are balling this year. And yet, it was tongue-in-cheek. But seriously, where, where is Julius in this MVP race for you? Loki, I mean, he's got to be in that top 10. Do you give him top 5? I mean, it all depends, I guess, where... Yeah, I mean, if we're not including LeBron and Embiid right now, just for sake of argument, let's assume that their injuries kind of eliminate them, which they might not. But it's very, yeah, he's scratching that borderline top five, top six, top seven range. You know, Dame, Jokic, um, Jimmy is up there. He's right there, though. He's, he's, he's close. He's not going to win, but he, he's, he's a candidate for sure, right? Bro, there needs to be a 30 for 30 one day about how one for in a, in a one year span, this guy became, he went from my least favorite player to watch in the NBA, like literally unwatchable basketball. And then something happened, like some kind of body switch with, with Oscar Robertson. I, I don't know what happened this year. Like he's, he's, he's a delight. So I, I didn't want to do this, but shout out to my friend, Bo Misaguchi, who is an, he was a Julius Randle stan. In 2015-16, I have the basketball reference up. Julius Randle averaged 11 points, uh, 10 rebounds, and two assists a game. Was considered by many on the Lakers to be kind of a black hole of a player where you pass him the ball and he doesn't see any passes. Now he's averaging six assists a game. The reason I bring this up is because it is very imperative. I need to make a public plea to America that we do not give up on young players in their second seasons. I'm oh, sorry, Gary. You oh, know who this is. Oh, me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to transition into it, but I was just looking at the basketball reference, and it's just like, God, if you – honestly, Julius Randle, he could have been given up on in year two, but instead he's in year, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's in year seven, and now he's an MVP candidate. Because why? Because they didn't give up on him. Facts. Okay, let's talk about Kobe, dude. <laughs> go ahead i'm, I'm scared <laughs> i mean let's do our fake trades because i think i think you're gonna have i think you're gonna have a spicy one that has to do with kobe or no no i i, I would never trade kobe off of my oh. so no i don't have a spicy kobe trade the really the trade that i have is the one that we've seen mentioned um many times and that is to send actually you know what i'll give you my other one um, you, why don't you go ahead and go first while I make sure that it works in the trade machine so I don't throw out something illegitimate. Okay, listen, everybody, this trade is the best trade of all time. Like, it is only a trade that's ever going to happen in NBA 2K, but it's possible, and I just want people to know that. Like, literally, the salaries match up. I 100% plagiarized this off of uh, Trade NBA. Somebody did this, and fuck you, I don't care. I'm taking it. <laughs> um, the Golden State Warriors. Okay, let me just, let me just I'm going to bury the lead here. It's a three-team trade with the Warriors, the Wizards, and the Cavs, okay? Let's see how many players are involved. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-player trade. There's three picks involved. The Warriors are going to be sending out Brad Wanamaker, renowned point guard, Damian Lee, Kelly Oubre 
Tsunami Poppy Jr. to the Cavaliers. Those three guys are on the Cavs. The Warriors are also going to be sending out Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, Alan Smailogic, who I'm sure Armand is a huge fan of. I am. <laughs> I knew it, dude. And also, both of their 2021 picks, so round one and round two, those are Minnesota's picks, actually. So, But via Minnesota, those are the Warriors' picks. They're going to send those to the Wizards. Okay? okay. The Cavs <clears throat> are going to send out a 2023 round two pick to the Wizards. The Wizards are going to send out Anthony Gill to the Cavs. And the Warriors are going to receive from the Wizards. Forget all that I just said. This is what you should listen to. The Warriors are going to get Denny Avdia, another Armani Buckets fave, Dude. and Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards, and Andre Drummond from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow, I was in until the last part. <laughs> <laughs> that is, wow, that is spicy. And whoever came up with that, thank you for letting us plagiarize that because – Wow, we, we, we don't care. We don't care on this podcast. Harry, I love it. If, if there was a way... Now, here's the thing. Um, this is something I thought of. Are we... Does Beal affect Clay at all in any way? Like, would Clay be... I mean, first of all, do you believe in Clay coming back? And would he be mitigated? Would he be lessened by having Beal take away his shot attempts? I don't know. I, I was thinking about that, but what do you think? I mean, that's a great question. And um, I love Clay Thompson, but I won't lie. I completely forgot about him within the context of this, this multi, this Marvel cinematic universe. But Clay, I mean, if you're, dude, if you're drawing up the perfect star to play next to any ball, not dominant player, we've seen it. The proof is in the pudding. Like Clay can thrive off of one dribble a game. Yeah. <laughs> which is insane yeah. to me like if anybody's actually played basketball before like how can you put up consistently put up 20 points a night and dribble like three times like it's so insane to me like I don't know Clay if you're if you're talking about somebody who who can thrive in that role I think it's Clay to answer your other question is am I worried at all about Clay coming back I mean he's spent so long away from the game um, on a professional on an NBA level I mean yes you know, that's, of course, it's troubling, but at the same time, oh, let me just hang up this phone. <laughs> same time, <clears throat> nobody's going to derail this point, dude. I think that's a car insurance. I think it's like a, I accidentally looked up like, oh, like, how do I get car insurance um, <laughs> without opening up incognito? So now I'm just getting fucking spammed all over. <laughs> I just got a, a new, uh, a Mitsubishi Lancer. This is my first car ever, guys. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. Very Thank the lead. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, but Clay, I mean, he's also, I think he's, he's likely to return to form. If you're just thinking about him as a, as a basketball player, like he's gigantic for his, his position, right? So that helps. He, uh, he's not, he doesn't rely on his athleticism, although I think he's always been kind of like a sneaky athlete. I mean, he got hurt on a dunk. He's a great dunk. Um, and I think Beal, too, is like, like both of these guys are so – it's like what they had with Durant, like – you, you can plug and play Durant in any team ever, ever, from, like, YMCA to, like, JV all the way up until, you know, any team in the NBA. Like, those, these guys, these are the types of stars that will thrive in any role. Steph, you know, Clay, Beal, and Andre Drummond, absolute star. Talking about Kevin Durant's favorite player, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I, I completely agree with, with those points. I think that Clay is – 
one of the very, very few, right? Very, very select few that could actually go to a situation in that situation with Beal, with Steph, with so many guys that need the ball and still be Clay Thompson. And it actually might be beneficial for him because I am definitely worried about him coming back from the injuries. I mean, two catastrophic injuries in a row. Um, with that being said, my trade is a lot less spicy than those ones. I'm, I'm trying to muster a trade right now. I'm going to give you two. Okay. I'm going to give you two. Uh, the first one is not that juicy, but they both involve the beloved Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Markinen and Luke Cornett to the Charlotte Hornets. And the Hornets would send back Malik Monk, Bismack Biombo, and a lottery protected first round pick for this year. So basically if they make the playoffs, we get the pick. And the reason for that is because I would assume Markinen has more league upside than Monk and Biombo, which mm-hmm. might actually be false at this point because Markinen is Andrea Bargnani 2.0. Um, but Monk would give the Bulls an opportunity. He's a free agent after the season. The Bulls can re-sign him. He's a legitimate six-man in, in the NBA. I think he's established himself legitimately as a six-man. And having him as your, I, I'm going to call him your Will Barton, right? Uh, Arturis came over from Denver. He could be the Will Barton of the team going forward. Unfortunately, that's we don't have a Jokic, a Murray, or anything else. But <laughs> at least we have a Will Barton then. Um, we have a Murray. He's just uh, yeah. being buried it's, on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> The second trade, because of the fact that uh, the rumor came out that we are interested in DeRozan. All right, Bulls fans, you want to compete now? You want to be impatient? Okay, how about Otto Porter, Wendell Carter Jr., Hmm. and a second for DeRozan? And... What, what, what did the Spurs get out of this? Can I just, can I just ask? Like, well, DeRozan is going to be a free agent after the season. He's going to... He's going to be unrestricted, and he's going to – I mean, he's going to look for money. And I think he's going to get it, dude, because teams are going to look at him right now. He eliminated shooting threes. I've comped him to West Coast Jimmy Butler without the defense. But his offensive efficiency, his his comfort in his mid-range bag, he's a legitimate star player. And he's going to be 32, so that's a question mark. But – I don't, I don't think age is even a factor anymore in the NBA, in any professional sport. I just am like, oh, he's mid-30s. He's approaching his prime. <laughs> and so I could definitely see a team throwing him four years, $100 million, like easy. With that being said, if the Spurs want to go youth, they need to get something for him. So, I mean, whether that's with us or the Knickerbockers, we'll see. But the Bulls, I mean, DeRozan and Levine, you have a chance to compete for – for a, a second round playoff berth at that, at that rate. What do you think? I'm not mad at it. I'm very happy that Alec will be staying with, uh, with the Chicago Bulls. Um, I think that'd be a steal because you know how I feel about Wendell Carter Jr. I think he's ass. I think he's shown z- literally zero improvement year after year. Um, he's, he is um, consistently, you know, He's a six foul, six points a game kind of guy. <laughs> um, get him out of here. I mean, I don't know what more to say. DeRozan is awesome, by the way. Like, I don't think people realize, like, I don't think they've watched DeMar since he played in Toronto, like most people. But he is almost a completely 
like improved player. Like I'm not gonna say a different player, but like as a passer, as as a, you know a pick and roll ball handler. Sometimes you know as a post player. I mean, he's just sharpened everything he does to such such a high level. I I feel bad for him that he wasn't on that Toronto team that won the the chip because I think if you know it, it was never gonna work because like you have to include DeRozan if you're gonna get Kawhi. But like let's just say somehow it was flipped and it was like Lowry a Lowry based deal for Kawhi. Like I don't know. Does a DeRozan Kawhi team win? I mean, you know, the Toronto team actually, if Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt, who knows? But like I don't know. I, I, well, I guess what I'm saying is I wish that people could see how good of a player DeMar DeRozan is now. It, yes, he has transcended his game. And like you said, I, don't, I wouldn't call it changing. It's just like he's perfected his style of basketball, which is what I thought Jimmy did too, is perfected their way of playing. They hunt mismatches and then they just go downhill and they just get layups. With yeah. that being said, um, it's time to transition into panic talk because the Lakers have lost three in a row, Harry. They are without Anthony Davis for at least a few, uh, I would think at least probably two more weeks at the minimum. LeBron for who knows how long. They're in fourth place in the West, 28 and 16. They are four and a half games ahead of Dallas, who is in eighth place in the West. Where is do you see this Laker team going right now? Do you see it potentially getting into the playing tournament, Harry? Oh, I have no idea what just happened. Go ahead. Did you hear me? I heard, I heard you say the Lakers. I heard you say panic and I don't need to hear the rest because I am panic mode. I mean, you're Uh, you really need to say about that i mean they're out it's over harry we we lost you for the last uh like 30 seconds could you repeat your take please yeah it's not my take it's every lakers it's what's going through every laker fan's brain right now you look at the roster you're, you're thinking oh shit we have how many games left 20 about yeah 20 30 games left yes we have about 20, 30 games left. And I think our best player for those 20, 30 games is Kyle Kuzma. So it's over. We're out of the playoffs, guys. With that being said, though, this team, yes, I, I actually agree with you. Kuzma's probably their best player now. But, I mean, at least they have Dennis. They have Montrez. They have Kyle. They have Talon Horton Tucker. Can they, like – I want to see how they do against the bad, bad teams. Because if they start losing those games, they, they've played so far without LeBron. They basically, they lost Atlanta. Then they lost, they got killed by Phoenix and then they got killed by the Pelicans. So I want to see if this continues against like the, the, um, the Timberwolves of the world, then we have to start thinking that they might be like a 10 seed. Hey, right? you know, the Timberwolves are terrible. But they're feisty now. I mean, Anthony Edwards is just shooting everything. And he's, he's – I mean, bro, the Ant-Man is here. He is here. Uh, if, you, if you look at the Lakers and you look at them versus someone like Minnesota, can you actually look at their roster right now without AD and LeBron and say, yeah, that team should beat that team? 
I think it's like 50-50. It's 50-50. And the in Minnesota is like bottom of the conference. So like what are we talking about here? Like the Lakers, they, they need to pull some miracle wins out of their ass until LeBron or AD can come back. And even if they do, I mean, is one of those guys enough to beat Dallas? It, you know, on a random night. Is one of those guys enough to beat Portland? You know, you start losing enough games. I mean, all of a sudden, like, all jokes aside, you're the seven, you're the eight seed coming into the playoffs. You know, if LeBron and AD aren't absolutely healthy, I don't know. I mean, momentum is a real thing in the NBA. They, the Lakers' goal is going to be to stay at a six seed or higher so they avoid the playing game. So the seven seed is currently the Spurs, who are four games behind the Lakers. And the Spurs are not a team that's going to win every night. So it's not going to be like the Lakers are going to be easily caught. But if you're losing every night, there's a chance. With that being said, I brought up the Timberwolves, so I got to talk about the Eastern Conference version of the Timberwolves, the Detroit Pistons. I want to ask you real quick, this is the last question, and we're going to get out of here. If yep. you're the Pistons, all right, there's been a lot of rumors circulating around Jeremy Grant. You just signed him this year. He's your best player. He's been amazing. You're going to possibly get the number one pick. Do you actually consider trading him or is this somebody that you want to keep for the foreseeable future as a part of your core? I mean, why trade him? The only reason is if you look at what Sam Presti did and you're like, yeah, let's do that. I mean, you're going to get the, you're going to get a top four pick this year, regardless, probably. I mean, you know, now with tanking, who knows, you know, the, uh, the Pelicans had like a, what, like a 1% chance of getting Zion. I mean, you know, who knows? But realistically, whether you trade Jeremy Grant away or not, you're going to finish at the bottom of this conference. I mean, you get like the, the Pistons are, are awful. So, so trading Jeremy Grant means you're opting for what strategy? You're going for the OKC route. You're saying, yep, this year we want to get whoever, um, you know, Kuminga, um, uh, Cade, wh- whoever you get, right? And then you're also saying we're going to trade Jeremy Grant away for, you know, an, uh, a first round pick. A year down next year, you know, plus a second, you know what I mean? Just, just stash, stash a bunch of picks together and be like, okay, we're going to get Mikey Williams, who is, you know, um, who's just grinding, grinding away at the, uh, the, the, uh, the Armani buckets, um, hoop house. Yeah. At the expense of Armand. Um, I mean, that makes sense to me. I, I think both, both are fine though. Like why trade away Grant? He's already a great player. He's only like 20. 26, 27? Like, he's like our age, right? Yeah. Like, what for? I mean, realistically, are you, are you sure that the chance of getting a top four guy back for him, right? Like, a top four pick back for Jer- a Jeremy Grant? Like, let's just say, like, the best case scenario, they get the number one, uh, the first round pick of, uh, of, like, the Kings or something. Um, which could happen. I mean, the Kings love making these kinds of deals, by the yeah. way. But anyways, they get they get like a first round pick of the Kings, who we can we can be like, okay, maybe the Kings are going to be terrible in two years, probably, but maybe not. I mean, they've they still have De'Aaron Fox. They you know, it's it's all it's just you're you're rolling the dice for no reason is 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 how I feel about it. And let's say you know you do get their pick and they're bad, then you land you land a you know whoever the top four uh, top four pick is two years down the line with this with this trade. Who's to say that guy's going to be better than Jeremy Grant? Jeremy Grant is a really fucking good player. You know, it's, it's, it's usually better to go with a good thing that you already know you have, that you're going to hopefully be able to entice to stay around for a while um, versus just rolling the dice on, 
somebody who like something that's completely not here right now. It's like, like why, why trade in, you know, a hundred grand in cash for like three Bitcoin. I mean, some people would do that. It's, it's not a, it's not like an unrealistic or not a viable strategy, but why? I mean, you already have a hundred K in cash. You already have it in hand, you know? I, I completely agree. And, and one of the things that you said that really stuck out to me is the fact that you could trade Jeremy Grant just to wait four years to, to basically develop Jeremy Grant. <laughs> like exactly. to me. And then the other thing is like, when you are really, really bad and then you know, you're going to get an, a, a probable elite young player in the draft. It, I think it's imperative that you have at least a couple NBA guys with him so that he's not just getting like double and triple team, losing all his confidence yeah. early in his career. So exactly. I think that, and, and the other thing is like Jeremy Grant, they signed him to, a, I believe it was a four year deal. And the thing is, if you wait till the summer and do the same trade, the value is not going to go down and what you're going to get for Jeremy Grant. Yeah. So it makes no sense right now. If the Pistons were to trade him, they're already, like you said, the worst team in, in the Eastern Conference and approaching the worst team in the NBA. They don't, I don't think they need to do it either, Harry. I think it would be foolish if they did it. But we'll see. It's an exciting time of the year. The trade deadline is tomorrow. We're 24 hours away right now. Nothing has happened yet, dude. Nothing has happened yet. Do you expect things to happen? This is how we're going to wrap it up. Do you expect any like big splash or no? I think the I think it's very possible Aaron Gordon is on the Celtics. I mean, I feel like every year, like everybody waits later and later and later until like the the eleventh hour, right, to get as much leverage as possible. Yeah. So I don't think that we can comfortably say nothing's going to happen because nothing's happened already. You know, there's so many moving parts every trade deadline. But yeah, I mean, I think I think certain guys are going to move around. The the last thing I'm going to say is this. The Houston Rockets, you are now my newly favorite team because the Bulls have just killed me. If you guys do not clear a path for Kevin Porter Jr. to start and to get the ball a lot, I am going to place a curse on you guys because this is ridiculous, man. This kid went from like 25 points a game as a starter, exciting, uplifting the fan base that I was newly a part of, and now he's just getting scrunched on the bench like Kobe White by Victor Oladipo, John Wall, the corpse of Daniel House. I don't even know what's going on in Houston, man. They need to just sell, 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 and give the key. They're, doing. They're, they're boosting the Oladipo trade stocks. If we can be in there, Kevin Porter Jr. will be, be their, their franchise player. I agree. But what if, yeah, I, my, my fear is that no team actually pulls the trigger for, for Oladipo. But we'll see. It's we'll an see. exciting time. Thank you so much, Harry, for joining me. Always a pleasure, Armand. Yes, Harry said that I have to watch Last Chance You, so I got to get on that. Anything yeah. else, Harry? No. Um, I love you very much, brother. Um, I, uh, it's always fun hopping on the pod. Um, yeah, um, let's go Knicks. Let's go Knicks, indeed. Thank you again. Love you too, brother. And until next time... Armand out. Peace.